0: We're closing the book on week seven. Six teams were on a bye. Your lineups were in distress, but the games, the games came through for all of us. We go game by game for instant reactions here on the show. And we kick it off. John Daigle, Hayden Winks with Bills versus Patriots. A 29 to 25 victory over yes the Mac Jones led new England Patriots over the Buffalo Bills, Hayden Winks, who are almost faltering now to a four and three record.
1: Yeah. Their point differential is like still like at plus 80, but they've lost a couple of close games here. We start off the games though with Bill Belichick. Uh, they announced that he signed a long-term contract this off season, So that kind of silenced some of those rumors, but going into this game, it was just Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien. I think Bill O'Brien was the true centerpiece to this game because Mac Jones has averaged up the target 3.3 yards downfield. Mac Jones only takes one sack, no turnovers, uh, 2.3 seconds to throw. Just dink and dunk, dink and dunk. Then we get to the second half of the ballgame. Neither team punt in the second half. The Bills get stopped on a turnover and downs uh, on a fourth and two after already converting a fourth down earlier in the game but it was just dink and dunk until Mac Jones had to thread a couple passes not downfield but just over the middle the middle part of the field to sneak in there to get this big win. Ramondre and Ezekiel Elliott they were kind of rotating drives here. Ramondre kind of garbage time if you will. There's a key drive late in the game where Ramondre got a bunch of his uh usage. Kendrick Bourne was the number one wide receiver. Uh, they got Pop Douglas involved with some of these Pop passes underneath. And then ultimately, Mike Gesicki wins the game, finishes it with a massive gritty. So surprising win for Bill Belichick. It was his 300th win uh, of his career. Um, so we got at least a little bit more normal of a Patriots game. And I'll call this offense watchable because <laughs> it wasn't Mac Jones panicking, trying to make throws 20 yards downfield under pressure. It was just a little bit more By Tungabailoa-like a little bit more Alabama-like, and I like that version of Mac Jones the best.
0: What I saw in an interview after the game, Hayden, was Mac Jones talking to reporters, saying that even this past week, Bill O'Brien took some of the concepts that he enjoyed playing and running at Alabama and featured them here. Ooh. And again, what we saw was so much of that middle of the field work. I'm not sure if it's RPOs, and I'll go back and watch. I'm sure you right. watch live. But again, this comfort zone area for Mac Jones certainly is not sexy. But what we want him to do is at least be comfortable and an offense, like you said, can move the chains put them in a position to succeed and going 25 of 30 for 272 yards two interceptions that is very rookie season mac jones esque yep. when it's all been downhill since then after josh mcdaniels left and hopefully this is the start of something else for the remainder of the season i'm not saying the patriots are good they have so many injuries but it wasn't just him hayden i thought like Ramondre stevenson probably showed like some of his most explosive yep carries and and touches in this entire entire season at nine carries 34 yards and then you know some work in the receiving game too was six for fifty one.
1: The one problem with that though, Zeke Elliott handled both of the inside the five yard five yard line opportunities there, though on that uh last play of the game essentially when uh Kasiki catches that ball in the middle of the end zone, Ramondre at least was in on that play at the goal line. So It's a committee everywhere, which is the sad part. Even when you get a functional offense like this, no one's going to stick out in fantasy land, but at least we can possibly get Kendrick Bourne into flex spots. We can possibly stream somebody like Hunter Henry if his ankle is okay, and maybe we can get Ramondre back to like the running back 15 type of range. If we get to this Alabama like offense
2: and even Kendrick Bourne, it's been happening without Juju Smith-Schuster the past yep. two games, that 35% target share last week and 23% today. So we'll see if the rotation and his opportunity holds once mm-hmm. Juju's eligible to return from his concussion.
0: Lots of questions about the Bills, Hayden. Where do we even start? I mean, was this a Josh Allen roller coaster like performance where he goes 27 to 41, 265, two touchdowns. One interception. And we also, and we'll get to this in a moment, some big running back changes once again after recent panic of Latavius Murray eating into James Cook snaps. It was the exact opposite in this one.
1: So with Josh Allen, the quick game was working. If you pull up the next-gen passing charts, it's pretty eye-opening to see. I believe he was like 17 for 17 on things underneath. But all of the deep passes that Josh Allen has been one of the best at converting were all incomplete. All five of his targets 25 yards downfield or are longer went incomplete. And that ultimately is the make or break part of this. Obviously, that fourth and two failed conversion in the fourth quarter is a big difference maker. Josh Allen opens the game with a dumb interception against zone coverage. But ultimately, I thought he still looked Fairly good. He gets a quarterback sneak for a touchdown. He threw an absolute missile to Steph Diggs, who has to slide. Uh, The Patriots don't tap him down when his knee's on the ground. Steph Diggs pops back up on on his feet and scores a touchdown there. Ultimately, just a couple near misses. Steph Diggs was trying to wait in the corner of the end zone, and the ball just barely misses past him for a a touchdown that would have happened earlier in this game. They had a pick play touchdown called back to Dawson Knox as well. Um, The fantasy standout here, kind of out of nowhere, was Dalton Kincaid, who finishes with a career high, eight receptions. That's on a 20% target share. It's still a lot of the underneath stuff. His ADOT, for example, 5.4 yards downfield. He was only out there for 66% of the routes. But when the Bills are in close games or trailing like they were in glimpses here, this offense is going to pass the ball basically at will. And that's how someone like Gabe Davis, or now we can start factoring in Dalton Kincaid could potentially get there.
2: It was only four more routes total than Dawson Knox as well, yep. so not outlier usage really compared to what he had been doing.
0: But but at least it's not like one of the lowest a dots in the league at like four point five yards, and at right. least it's not just like empty routes that he's running too. Like. Mm-hmm. I only saw this out of the corner of my eye, but it did seem like they were working him towards the sticks or in some yards after cat situations. Yep. And at least he was like part of the progression. I don't. That that mm-hmm. might be a weird thing to say, but look, we have missed Don Kincaid on the field lately. He obviously didn't clear concussion protocol until later on this week, but it's great to see. I mean, great to see from a rookie tight end at a position where we try to scavenge for usable weeks, yep. eight catches for seventy-five yards, and maybe that is something to build on because. Like at the foundation, despite maybe some hesitation or uncertainty of what we've gotten so far, we know that the Bills want to feature him, right? Yep. We know that they want to build on top of this. So this, to me, might not be an outlier week. It might be something for the rest of the season we build on this. Not necessarily, you know, eight for 75, but you get the point mm-hmm. of really being incorporated into this offense.
1: Yeah, it's like at least a game you can point to and be like, this is what it could look like exactly. In theory. Exactly. Um, running backs this was another one of these key little differences on why you win or lose in the NFL the runs the running back runs 33 percent success rate that's how you lose uh, some football games Latavius Murray gets the loan inside the five-yard uh, five yard line opportunity but James Cook actually scores a touchdown uh, from nine yards out little ball in the flats on a third down uh, he played 52 percent of the snaps. He also had a 28-yard catch, a little bit downfield too. So good bounce back game for James Cook, but it wasn't like that he like got a carry from the one yard line. The role really changed. He was just a little bit more explosive in this game, which is in a swing back and forth.
2: It was his first game since week one, handling over 70% of the team's backfield touches. Without Damian Harris, who was put on injured reserve for the next four weeks at least, I I thought it would become, as it had been, more of a timeshare with Tavius Murray. But at least in this one, as you said, they just instead handed a majority of touches to Cook, which is interesting.
0: I thought that this tweet from Stats is really telling. Josh Allen, who averages his longest time to throw in a game the season at 3.26 seconds, yep. struggled when forced to hold on the football. He went 10 of 24, 130 yards with that interception when holding the ball over 2.5 seconds because that is almost like his special ability. Like yeah. That is when he's the pedal to the floor player. That's when he can create his magic and do things when quarterback, other quarterbacks can't throughout the league. Um, and so Bill Belichick winning in that area almost yep. limited – Josh Allen to like preventing to use his superpowers, if that makes sense.
1: Well, that's like the classic thing about Bill Belichick is until we look at the all 22, there will be some wrinkle that, that Bill Belichick was using. Maybe it's doubling Steph Diggs on certain situations. And that could have been a little bit of the difference between winning and losing this game.
0: Also found out that Jalen Rager is on the New England Patriots. So uh, you learn something new yeah. Yeah. every single day. Chargers versus Chiefs. Only 48 points in this game. Am I allowed Andrew. to be a little bit disappointed? Am I allowed to be a little bit disappointed, John Daigle, in that we didn't get like a full pedal to the floor fourth quarter as the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Los Angeles Chargers and proved a six and one in this game, 31 to 17?
2: You should watch the first half and don't watch the second half because the first half lived up to all the hype. Even at the end of two quarters, Mahomes, 20 of 23 for 321 yards and three touchdowns. Travis Kelsey, nine catches for 143 yards and a touchdown in the first half, too. And that's not including Mahomes' 48-yard touchdown on a screen to Jarrett McKinnon that was taken off the board for an illegal block in the back. But it was all the same stuff we had Come to see the ancillary players stepping up in what was the biggest matchup to date for Kansas City. MVS with a 46 yard touchdown when Mahomes scrambled outside the pocket in the first half and just bided time until someone ran open downfield. And that was MVS in one on one coverage, scoring his first touchdown since the playoffs. Uh, the Chargers also answering Josh Palmer, big 60 yard catch in the second quarter, which helped set up a Gerald Everett slant for a touchdown after on the very next play. Unfortunately, Herbert overthrew Keenan Allen in the back of the end zone. He beat his guy by two yards, too. So just another unfortunate incident. But really, everything lived up in the first half, as I mentioned. The big key here, though, is that as we've seen time and time again for this Chiefs defense that has still not allowed over 21 points in any game this year. They yet again stepped up to the plate in the second half. Uh, McCall Hardman, active in this game, and he actually had the arguably the biggest play of the entire one with a 50 yard punt, 50 yard punt returned that gave Kansas City a short field, and then that allowed Mahomes to hit Pacheco in that final quarter for the go ahead touchdown and pretty much seal it up. A couple also poor decisions still from Mahomes, a uh, deep pass to McCall Hardman, who was on, in on offense at the time, still using rotation at their wide receivers, underthrown, giving Asante Samuel an interception. But overall, it just really came down to, honestly, the Chiefs defense and special teams closing this one out.
1: Yeah, that's, to me, been the storyline of the Chiefs oh, yeah. season. They came into this game, they were second in success rate allowed against passes, and they were also second in pressure rate. And then they sacked Justin Herbert five times in this one. As just a reminder, Patrick Mahomes, he has a career winning percentage at 81%. And this is the best defense that he's had by a long time. So when people are doing the power rankings and we're trying to get cute and trying to maybe say another team's the best team in the league, as a reminder, Patrick Mahomes now has the best defense of his career.
2: The Chargers were only down by one score in the third quarter too. And they got to the chief's 10 yard line. But the chief's defense that leads the league in tip passes Tipped Herbert's pass and pulled off that red zone interception to keep it by one score and then responded in the last quarter. Like it is the Chiefs' defense that is stepping up constantly and just allowing Mahomes to be himself.
0: Just to reel off a couple stats, uh Patrick Mahomes went 32 of 42, 424 yards, four <laughs> touchdowns, one interception, just took one sack compared to Justin Herberts, 17 of 30, 259 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. And this is one of the most Ludicrous stats I've seen this season. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey have connected on their last, and maybe it changed since this tweet. 28 targets. 28 wow. targets dating back to week five. Uh the odds of the duo completing every one of those 28 targets based on completion probability, 0.03%. Uh Hayden, I'm not good at math. That's pretty low.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna start regressing that one. Uh <laughs> yeah, one in one in three thousand seems seems pretty unbelievable. Uh shout out to the weekly winners teams that stacked. Travis, Kelsey, and Mahomes, you won all the money this week.
0: And it also goes back to kind of what Mahomes has turned into the last two years. And MVS, as you talked about, Dago got like his first long touchdown. And to me, going back in my memory in the regular season, it's the first long touchdown he's ever had in a Chiefs uniform. Uh, We've been waiting for this moment for, you know, 16 months after that's all he did. It was his only job with the Green Bay Packers. And again, Mahomes 46 yarder MVS was his first deep touchdown pass of the season and only his second since the start of last season so again when you think about those Tyree kill teams and other players winning down the field now everything is short everything is efficient and it totally works like this and Dago I think that efficiency helps on offense when you can be this good top five unit defensively as well like you talked about.
2: It helps when you're playing the Chargers, too, and you have nine plays of 15-plus yards because that's all they allow is explosive constantly. Also, I know everyone wants to know about Rasheed Rice. We did get the bump. Remember, whenever Justin Watson left the, left the game last week, a route on 60% of dropbacks for Rice. This one, a route on 65% of dropbacks, a season high. But honestly that's enough for Rasheed Rice. And I don't think it grows. We know the Chiefs still use rotation. Yep. They just added McCole Hardman, who five of to the six touchdowns last year, came inside the 10-yard line as a gadget player. So he takes away a little bit of that equity. But this is a totally fine
1: role for Rasheed Rice. Dale, like temperature check. Like, do you think start at like wide receiver 33, 35 during bye weeks is kind of his range right now? Like get him into your flexes for sure. And you can pass him by as like a wide receiver three on some weeks. Something like that, yeah. Fringe wide receiver three. Because it's the NFL, we have no bye
2: weeks this upcoming week after having six. So uh, the rankings will look interesting.
0: Today, five receptions, 60 yards, one touchdown on uh, six targets. MVS, 384 and one. And yeah, Travis Kelsey, 12 receptions, 179 yards and uh, one touchdown. Not bad at football. On the opposite end, again, didn't get to watch this game. Seeing comments of like Justin Herbert was just inaccurate. Like these passes were off target and that's how you can have Keenan Allen after being having one of the hottest starts of any wide receiver this year, just nine targets, four receptions, 55 yards. You mentioned Josh Palmer going 133 yards. Um, This is kind of the end of last week to Justin Herbert was a bad game. Now we get this right now too. I think he's incredibly talented, but this does give some, you know, ammunition to those folks that say he is a bit overrated across the league.
2: And, Good to see 5.9 yards for play from them today because the past two games without Mike Williams, yes, a lot of the Cowboys game we saw was on Herbert, just wildly inaccurate missed opportunities. But even then, like the Chargers the past two games without Williams have been 28th in yards for play coming into this one. Herbert was one of eight on throws 20 yards downfield because they're still looking for that player with any amount of juice. And then again, Quentin Johnston in this game, not that we were expecting much from him, but six and a half percent target share they just have no one that's arriving anytime soon and that's what's worrisome
1: he also had another game's his third consecutive game with a negative completion percentage over expected mm. so the accuracy uh, at least comes back into the numbers i do want to keep mentioning though i do think the finger is a factor here i think the wide receiver talent uh downgrade sure. is a factor and Corey lindsley one of the best centers and also like the mind of the offensive line a huge veteran piece he hasn't played since Mike Williams has been out as well. So it's like kind of all these things compounding against a good chiefs defense. To me, this was not a very surprising outcome uh, as someone that certainly loves Justin Herbert. Usually
2: speaking of, we will have to wait and see his status throughout the week, but the chiefs did lose Nick Bolton on one of their final plays. Uh, Massive impact.
0: Browns versus Colts in a game that closed with a line of 40, we get (laughs) 77 points. (laughs) In a barn burner, I will call it one of the games of the season as the Cleveland Browns somehow improved to four and two, being the Indianapolis Colts, 39, 39 to 38. There were big plays all over the yard in this game. Third play of the game, Jerome Ford goes for a 69-yard touchdown. Uh, He later leaves with probably a high ankle sprain, which really Mm. sucks because he was the starter. He was the lead ball carrier, albeit he was kind of rotating series with Kareem Hunt throughout. Then the next series for the Colts on a broken play, uh, excuse me, a free play, because Miles Garrett is offsides. sides, a 60-yard touchdown for Josh Downs. Not something that we'd attach to his name commonly, but pushes his route a bit more downfield. No one covers him in this historically good Browns defense, uh, and he goes, again, all the way down to the field. Um, later on, we get a 69-yard, yeah, 75-yard Michael Pittman touchdown, uh, catches it, rumbles through this Browns defense. Again, I want to stress like how good that this Browns defense has been so far this season. And the Colts casually put up 456 yards with Gardner Minshew at quarterback. And I think that just speaks to how great of a coach Shane Steichen is. But we probably need to focus a little bit on the Cleveland Browns here. Uh, first, Miles Garrett is going to run away with Defensive Player of the Year. Yep. Two sack fumbles, one against the left tackle, one in their own end zone, the Colts, uh, lines up, which he rarely does, against Blake Freeland, a rookie right tackle who's like in his fifth straight game starting but has tried to play both sides. It's been bad. Uh, he's got – he gets chipped, then works through the right tackle against sack fumble that's recovered for a touchdown. And then on top of that, a blocked field goal where he literally leaps over the interior of the offensive line at 272 pounds. Just just a box jump over these big-ass offensive linemen. Um, The other story, Deshaun Watson throws an interception early, starts 0-3, basically throws a second interception, gets shoved to the ground, hits his helmet, playing miserable football, finishes one of five for five yards. Mm -hmm. Um, He gets cleared for a concussion after going into the blue tent. Aditi, uh, the sideline reporter, talks says that, hey, the Browns have cleared him. And they're saying that there's no update on his shoulder, but he keeps his helmet the entire game, but just does not reenter. And at the Mm -hmm. end, Kevin Stefanski is already saying that he is going to be the starter in week eight, which seems super premature based on what we've seen the last two weeks. Something is not clicking in that department. But what is, in some ways, is P.J. Walker coming in and somehow, despite 15 of 32 for 178 yards and one interception, uh, this team puts up 39 points. It's a big part of their defense and obviously two rushing scores for Kareem Hunt on top of that. It was just an electric game all around. I didn't get to cover all of it. We'll get to all of it and more of it in a moment. But guys, uh, watch this. Tune into it on Monday morning. <laughs> that's for sure. It's
1: kind of the Gardner Minshew effect. Uh, it, this is going to remind me of like maybe Jameis Winston and the Bucks because the Colts are down to play fast. That's like what Shane Steichen wants to do. And Gardner Minshew is down to throw it downfield. He's down to hit his checkdowns sometimes. And he's also due for all these... Um turnovers, he had what I was looking at three loss fumbles and an interception. It's, it's I was crazy. looking I was looking at the Browns box score, just trying to catch up, and I was like, they had no yards, but they scored 39 points. How is that possible? <laughs> it's because they're keep getting the ball at the four-yard line right. uh, because of Miles Garrett. Um, I saw a follow-up with the Deshaun Watson stuff, and it basically was that he was able to play, they just did chose not to play him. So I don't know if that's from Deshaun or from the team, but There's enough of a gray area that either his shoulder is actually jacked up, but he's able to play just not effectively, or the gap in the Browns' eyes between Deshaun Watson and these backups isn't very big. Either way, it's a really bad situation. Good news is you have Miles Garrett who refuses to do an interview without his shirt, and I don't blame him. The guy is (laughs) absolutely shredded. I wouldn't leave the house without a shirt either.
0: So (laughs) a couple more notes here, Daigle. Um, this is probably the best we've seen of Jonathan Taylor since he returned. There was one screen pass that he took in the backfield, uh, avoided about two or three defenders, set up his blocks, allowed that to pick up a few extra yards. Uh, then he runs it in for a touchdown just a couple of plays after that. I mean, Kevin was in his bag with like a really cool flea flicker tight end screen to David Joku. And again, Joku pops up here for five for fifty-four, which is probably better than we've gotten from him recently. Um, Amari Cooper did not have a single target in the first half. Didn't get his first target until the middle of the third quarter, uh, and then I want to talk about I want to talk about the ref show at the end because it really sucked. Like the Colts, as you outlined, Hayden, did enough to win this game, and they were trying to hold on inside of their own red zone. There's a sack fumble on PJ Walker that basically ends it, but almost identical to the time we never got the angle of when the contact with the quarterback happened and the contact with Mario Cooper on a slugo. Uh, they call it eagle contact for that. And then a pass interference on the next snap on a pass that literally lands eight yards out of bounds to Donovan Peoples-Jones, one of the worst calls I've seen. And they try to get three more stops from the one-yard line until finally, I believe, on fourth down, they get it in, and that's the game over. So I, I understand if Colts fans believe they were robbed in that situation because there was at least one, if not two, unreasonable calls that the refs made at the end of this game.
1: Well, good news that they get a higher draft pick, so I'll, I'll <laughs> go to sleep fairly well, Indianapolis.
2: Josh Downs, 125-1, and one, as you mentioned. Also, great, but even better behind the scenes. Came into this one with a 21% target share for Minshew and then leads the team with that 28% target share today. So someone that seems he will hang around, we mentioned like even without bye weeks, seems like a confident flex option, honestly, since we mm-hmm. continue getting all this volume from Shane Steichen
0: the, the volume is definitely going to be there. And what I like even more is what we have seen from not just Garner Minshew, but in that relationship that he has with Josh Downs is that it's starting to work a little bit more downfield because Josh Downs could easily be a Wandale Robinson or Rondale Moore type of like, Hey, low a dot. And let's just yeah. you know, keep things shorter, but they are pushing it further and further down the field. And man, Downs is only in, what, his seventh game as a professional, and he already looks like he is a veteran. Mm-hmm. Like, he is Plays going big. to be a mainstay in this slot wide receiver role plus. He's like a slot plus player, yep. and it's why we loved him at UNC. He does play big. He wins after the catch, and he's just going to be in our lives for years and years to come. I think that's that's so much fun because he's a really, really fun player out of this.
2: Last week, the Colts running backs split touches 50-50. Today, Jonathan Taylor 21 touches to Zach Moss' is 18. Do you think this is what we should expect moving forward or was there something that happened today that could maybe elevate taylor further in this timeshare
0: taylor got the start the issue with this daigle is like zach moss does nothing wrong when he comes in you know right. like yeah he, he he breaks tackles he creates yards on his own and when you're doing that and not taking anything away and there's like a clear difference between the two then i don't think we'll ever get you know the 70 workload to to one side more so, I am just more optimistic about Jonathan Taylor making the most of this because he looked better. He he looked more explosive. He looked more agile than we had seen him uh, in previous weeks. And, yeah, just we definitely have to monitor what's happening now with Jerome Ford because this really does seem like it's a high ankle issue. And that would be two to four weeks, maybe even an injured reserve. Yeah. and that Kareem Hunt was nursing an injury heading to this game and then they just leaned not even leaned on but they gave Pierre Strong the biggest opportunity from there but to me he's clearly the third most talented running back on that team. Yep. Lions versus Ravens. A game that we expected to be competitive against two of the best teams in the NFL wasn't so. The Baltimore Ravens at home demolish the 5 and 2 Detroit Lions. Both teams now 5 and 2. 38 to six, I mean, Hayden, Jared Goff draws back 53 times. No Dave Montgomery might be a theme here in the line struggle, but talk to me about how great this Ravens offense was.
1: Ravens were out of control, and you felt this game coming for weeks. We've talked about this on the recap show. We're like, oh, Lamar played pretty well, did nothing in the box score. This was obviously the complete opposite. 97th percentile EPA, 88th percentile completion percentage, overexpected. His passes 11 yards or further downfield was eight of nine. So when you're doing that and you're adding the scrambling that Lamar Jackson's capable of ripping off, you add Zay Flowers, who in the very first part of the game gets open in zone coverage play action. You get the linebacker sucked in. Zay Flowers behind it wide open uh, for a big gain. You have Nelson Aguilar, scramble, drill, touchdown, where Lamar Jackson buys 10 seconds to throw the ball into the end zone 10 seconds. And then you had Mark Andrews really just kind of finishing this game off. He has a jumping touchdown over the middle versus man coverage, beats him at the line of scrimmage. Then you have a ball out in the flats where Mark Andrews dives and touches the pylon for a touchdown. And then why not? At the end of the game, we already had Gus Bus score a goal line touchdown. Gus Bus has an 80-yard reception out of control. (laughs) And it was one of the craziest play designs. And I don't even think it was actually more or less a play design. It was like a zone read where Gus is in the background or the backfield Lamar keeps it kind of rolls out to the right. And by the time that Gus is like gone, like as if he had the ball for a carry, he then works to the flat and then Lamar just dumps him off and nobody's around him. So it's like a zone keeper back to the running back on the pass. I'm not sure how many times I've seen that design, whether that was improvised or not it just shows how much in command Lamar Jackson has. And also on the flip side with Detroit, their pass rush is good, but right now the secondary is just injured. And it's hard to run the defense that the Lions want to. And it's the reason why this Lions defense this offseason completely changed their entire secondary. Well, that secondary that they acquired is now all injured. So it's something to monitor moving forward. But really, the storyline is get the Ravens back in the top five discussion for top NFL teams. This team is getting healthier on offense. And if they could just get Zay Flowers and Mark Andrews cooking like they were today, Lamar Jackson's good enough to take this team uh, further than most people want to
0: admit. And I think the reason why we kept saying that like this Ravens offense was so close was because Lamar as an individual was playing well, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the peripheral pieces not named Mark Andrews and at times Zay Flowers were not playing well. And then when you get, you know, Odell Beckham sounds small, but popping up for seven, five and 49, that's better than we've seen. Mm-hmm. I never shot Bateman's two catches for 36 yards was early in this game too. Right. So Gus Edwards, Justice Hill combining for, you know, 110 yards on on 18 carries. With how Lamar is balling out and like shrugging off Aiden Hutchinson on sacks and just the strength that he's playing with, if you just get like average to – above expectation and above average play around that, then we can have yeah. something like really cooking moving forward.
2: It all bounced back. Since last week, Baltimore had settled for five field goals in the red zone. Today, they scored four red zone touchdowns in the first half alone.
0: Wow. Okay. What I'm seeing Hayden on the opposite end, and my goodness is my episode with scheme lately with Colt McCoy being the kiss of death. Cause we talked about <laughs> Ben Johnson
1: yeah. and this
0: offense. I see three and out three and out. Three and out, turnover on downs, punt, turnover on downs, interception in their first seven drives of the game. Uh, what the hell? Where did the identity go of this team being really good? And it's not as simple as Jared Goss home and road splits right. are quite drastic.
1: Yeah, uh, 19 pressures. Um, so he was under duress. A lot of these, at least one of his interceptions down the field, I uh, forgot if he had a second one or not, uh, was just a prayer. This game was so out of hand immediately that any of the garbage time or any of the stats that you look at are all garbage time related. Like for example, I think Jameer Gibbs had eight or nine targets in the second half. Uh, That's when he got his only inside the five yard line touch credit to him uh, in his two games uh, without David Montgomery, 15.3 and then today's game, 18.0 expected half PPR points that gets you into the RB one conversation. Just because Craig Reynolds is like not the factor that David Montgomery is it's, David Montgomery is not going to close the gap here, uh, even as a huge (laughs) David Montgomery fan. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown gets garbage time uh, check downs late. That's how this offense goes. Really quiet game from Jameson. Uh, Sam Laporta looks good when he gets targeted, but this game was so out of hand that it's hard to even like differentiate what like a seven yard completion, right? If that was because of skill or because the Ravens were already celebrating at halftime.
0: Yeah. Just to outline that, I mentioned the first seven drives, they didn't go anywhere. The Ravens scored a touchdown in their opening four drives. Yeah. <laughs> so it was 28 to nothing before anything got started. And I don't know math very well, Hayden, but basic math would say the two games that Dave Montgomery didn't play this year, the, the Lions lose. Pretty simple. It's
1: helping his MVP case, that's for sure. (laughs) To add a little more context, though,
2: Gibbs and these two starts without Montgomery, still 75% of the team's running back carries, 78% of the team's running back touches, 12 of 13 running back targets as well. And then Jamison Williams, zero in the box score. But I would say a healthy bump. Was the team's third rotational receiver mm-hmm. along with Khalif Raymond nine routes last week, up to a 43% route participation today, and targeted on six of those 26 routes despite not having a catch. Uh, with no bye weeks, probably not in a range where you're starting him just yet, but still a healthy increase.
0: Yeah, I think producer Weaves pointed out he had like 146 air yards. Uh, so if you're into that type of thing, then head on over to Jamison Williams. Yeah, I, it, it does stand out. And it's a great point, Dagel, what you said about Jameer Gibbs because when Dave Montgomery is in there, it's very clear that they don't want to use him between the tackles. They have certain aspects of his game that they want to highlight. But Dan Campbell is one of the most honest coaches when it comes to player usage. And this week he's like, Hey, we don't want to do this with Jameer Gibbs, but we're going to have to do it. And it was outlined here. And in more of a neutral script, like you said, um, it would probably come into fruition with more rushing yardage and more opportunities. I quickly want to say myself, Everyone falls in love with the likes of Ben Johnson. Maybe Mike McDonald on the the opposite end as the young, thriving defensive coordinator in the league. Just like, hey, don't forget about me and let my name be a national household name too. So, all right, next game. Steelers versus Rams. Talk about a weird contest. 24 to 17. The Pittsburgh Steelers win this game coming out of the bye. Despite how all of us have waxed poetic about the Rams this season. They fall to three and four and somehow this negative perception that we have around the Steelers and they're four and two on the season. Dagle.
2: Even today, this score does not represent what happened. When you watch this game, the Steelers now, through six games this year, have just three first-half offensive touchdowns. And that was represented today, 91 yards in the first half without a single third-down conversion. Pittsburgh's only touchdown, actually, in the first three quarters came after T.J. Watt intercepted Stafford on the first pass of the second half and delivered the ball inside of the Rams' 10-yard line. That's what allowed them to set up Kenny Pickett's sneak touchdown and keep them this game. And then even through three quarters, just 110 yards of offense for this Steelers attack. But the moral of the story was that the Rams just couldn't convert just missed opportunities across the board. Even on their first three possessions, they delivered with a 16-yard run from Daryl Henderson. We'll get there. 30-yard catch by Nakua and 24-yard catch by Cooper Cup. But they left those three drives with a punt, a missed field goal, and another punt. Then, come the fourth quarter, when they're trying to put this one away and the Steelers just hanging around, still playing good defense, 20 total yards in the fourth quarter. And their final three drives go punt, Brett Maher's second missed
0: field goal of the day,
2: Mm. and another punt. Just couldn't get there in the end.
0: Man, that that is shocking to me because like never would be in the corner of my eye. I'm seeing a like Matthew Stafford dot to Puka Nakua. Puka Nakua goes eight for one fifty four on twelve yeah. targets. How how does Cooper Cup only limited to two catches for twenty nine yards when this is a Steelers secondary and they've made some personnel changes and they come out of a bye and so maybe you just have some coaching tweaks along the way. But we've seen Cooper Cup be undefendable, unguardable since his return. And again, seven targets, two receptions, 29 yards here.
2: His first two plays were drops too. Like they literally Mm. went to him with their first two throws and he dropped them over the middle of the field. Uh, Also came up short on a deep throw in the second half as well. But honestly, it was more about... Puka dominating his targets. I'm sure by now you've probably seen his 40 yard toe tap along the sideline too. the awareness that dude has along with the size and ability to earn targets is just absolutely insane that they just found him in the fifth round. Uh, But yeah, that was honestly the most impressive thing here. And that's what really helped out Los Angeles because they did have a 75 yard drive that did include that 32 yard toe tapper from Nakua um, that set up Henderson's one yard touchdown run. But beyond that, just nothing else in the second half lacked a lot of pop here at the very end, Sean McVay out of timeouts. I wouldn't call it a ref show like you dealt with in (laughs) Brown's Colts game, but fourth and one Kenny Pickett sneaks it to convert the game winning first down questionable and happened Mm -hmm. just inside the two-minute warning, so it couldn't be challenged either. But again, McFay, no timeouts, so they couldn't even go back and review it, but questionable at best that that game should have ended there.
0: Talk to me about this backfield, because this Rams backfield was like the conversation for the entire last week. We find out yesterday that Kyron Williams is going to be put on injury reserve, going to miss this game, plus three more. Just the stats, 12 carries, 66 yards for Royce Freeman. 18 carries 61 yard and one touchdown for Daryl Henderson.
2: Daryl Henderson started the game immediately recorded that 16 yard run. I mentioned played the first drive next series Royce Freeman comes in. And at the end of the day, that's practically what it was. Even Zach Evans here, just zero yep. snaps, I believe. Yep, no uh, snaps. Yeah. I'm, I'm making sure just special teams, which is completely wild. Like we had heard throughout the week that they were scaling him back like they didn't have trust in him. But to have n- no trust with zero snaps so, and healthy scratching Miles Gaskin, I thought, was a pretty big shock.
0: So I, I kind of disagree with you that it's shocking that Zach Evans didn't get anything. Now, one, I think all of us in the fantasy community had no clue how this Rams backer was going to unfold, especially mm-hmm. when, you know, Beat writers can only watch pre-practice and not the actual practice. So all you can take is like, hey, individual drills and what rotation they're going to be in. I even made the case for Miles Gaskin potentially because of some connections. But it's very clear that they actually trust Daryl Henderson, I believe, because, again, there's a lot of money in the bank and experience with that. Mm -hmm. Yep. To me, what – because we couldn't speak in definitives on who was going to get it. The only definitive I had was that Zach Evans wouldn't. Because to me, it would be a case if he was going to take a larger role, Sean McVay just would have come out and said it. They wouldn't have made all these moves. Like All of the words that he used, the actions that this team had with their roster, it it was just going to point to that Zach Evans was not going to be a part of this rotation. I think we can kind of keep that moving forward too.
2: By Sunday morning, I think I'd come around to the idea that he would definitely see the fewest touches, but I did not expect zero. I did not expect yeah, literally not as much. no involvement whatsoever in the offense and one that primarily ran around those other two backs. Even in terms of the pass casting usage, Henderson 16 routes, Royce Freeman 10. It was practically a timeshare mm-hmm. and Henderson did look the more explosive of the two. But also, as we know, um, staying healthy is a skill and that's something he mm-hmm. has battled for his entire career.
1: Yeah, Schefter in his write-up of this, he also said that Miles Gaston was going to be healthy and active for this week, but that they do have a plan for him going into next week. So I think there's a chance that Zach Evans is going to be the healthy scratch depending on special teams, and it'll be these guys. I think it'll just be Daryl Henderson versus Royce Freeman. If one gets hot, they're going to ride with them. But I I saw the same thing as you did, Daigle. More like a drive rotation. And I thought Royce Freeman actually looked fairly well in this game. He's just so mass heavy I, I don't i don't know the specifics of the goal line carry but I, that was like the only surprising part i thought it would be royce freeman at the goal
0: line but even if it's split that is so different than what we've got from Kyron williams of like being the biggest juggernaut of any running back out there in fantasy football playing what like 90 percent of the snaps just the next three games that karen williams is gonna miss the rams get the cowboys the packers and the seahawks in that time um and Dago, I feel like we do need to talk about the Steelers. We've just spoken about five They're minutes about the <laughs> I know it's 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 wild. But even like other than George Pickens going eight targets, five receptions, 107 yards, and still being fantastic at toe tappers along the sideline and not much else. Um, we do get Deontay Johnson returning with six targets, five receptions, 79 yards, and no one else really standing out in the box score.
2: And I need to see the actual route usage but just based on Pickens route tree too it did seem like he stayed a deep threat with Deontay Johnson back on the field not many end breakers but I need to see the actual number on those routes other than that it's pretty much exactly what you expected Najee Harris just kind of bumbling around until he had the goal line touchdown that's what got him there in fantasy Jalen Warden recorded a 13 yard touchdown run uh that was very slippery, basically ran past three defenders in a condensed
1: area of the field. But other than that, yeah, it, it was still Pickens
2: and Deontay Johnson. Deontay who returned as a full-time player.
1: We also had the news Fryermith goes on IR, I believe, with a yeah. setback on his hamstring. Um the replacement there is like Connor Hayward, who's just like yeah. not an NFL like target earner. And then Alan Robinson is just completely erased from his offense. He's out there, but it's just these two catching passes. So George Pickens and Deontay Johnson, to me, are completely wide receiver 3
0: uh the foreseeable future.
2: Hayward literally ran a route on 99% of dropbacks and it didn't <laughs> show at all. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I don't want to harp on this too much because, again, four and two is an achievement. And again, maybe it's just this perception that I have of this team. But it, that's like one of the most shocking things so far through seven weeks is, hey, fire Canada. This team is unwatchable. Kenny Pickett hasn't taken a step and maybe he did this week I'll go back and watch it and then they have the Jaguars the Titans and the Packers all three of those games maybe ones in Germany I don't know about it but all those games are listed as home games it's and like what they're all kind of winnable like we're potentially in a six and three Steelers team after nine weeks of the NFL season that's wild what's wild to me is that the defense isn't even that good like yeah. they
2: allow, ex- they allow 10 more explosive today. They're just a walking explosive, but they make just enough plays because they have TJ Watt and Mike Tomlin. And those are literally the two most important players
1: for this organization. Yeah. Sick TJ Watt interception in this game. And two and O in the division is on top of it.
0: Wow. Cardinals. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, And television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have. And you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series. And when you get back home, you realize... You now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at Surfshark.deals slash underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is Surfshark.deals slash underdog versus Seahawks. Speaking of division, NFC West, Seahawks improved to four and two on the year, beating the Arizona Cardinals 20 to 10. Jackson Smith and Jigba started in this game in two wide receiver sets Uh, because we know DK Metcalf was ruled inactive in that, and he opens, I think, with an opening drive, 28-yard touchdown, wide open in the middle of the field. It was like this one-by-three set. All of the routes were on the left-hand side, so it was Tyler Lockett, wide left, Jason in the slot, Noah Fant next to him. They ran these little scissors concepts against quarters. The safety didn't pass it off, and so Jason, again, just runs free, completely wide open in the middle of the field. I will say, though, Over the last two weeks, and you can probably extend this even further, we're getting some like really good Geno Smith dots along the sideline or on these downfield passes because somehow this team always winds up in like third and 10 scenarios asking Geno to make them and he does it. Then that's combined with just some stupid, crippling turnovers. He had another one inside the red zone on a third and four that he just forces into a Cardinals cornerback and then a muffed exchange under center that leads to a fumble as well. Want to shout out Jake Bobo for one coming down with like a 29 yard catch on the opening drive. And then another amazing 31 yard touchdown along the sideline, tons of contact one handed. He taps his drags his toes. Uh, It was on a sluggo as well. Um, And then on the opposite end in Arizona, I think you're going to see Marquise Brown consistently, as we talked about in the last two weeks, have a ton of targets, a ton of air yards, and it's kind of getting to this point with Joshua Dobbs where it's all empty because he is back into a pumpkin. He's inaccurate. He's just missing these throws. And so, again, I know you can point to seven targets and downfield stuff, but at the end of the day, Joshua Dobbs goes 19 of 33, 146 yards and takes four sacks in this game.
1: Is there even any points in our time on this earth to talk about the Cardinals <laughs> running back rotation?
0: Well, after everyone got so upset, after in a down week investing in Imari DeMarcado, uh, he is clearly the lead running back here in this
2: game. <laughs> you, you could look at it two ways. You could look at it like everyone is upset from last week, or you could say one Cardinals running back has led their backfield in snaps and routes run in consecutive games. Yeah. It's however you want
0: to phrase it. 13 carries, 58 yards. Um, he actually looked good. He was wearing 31. I was like, is that David Johnson out there? A little bit with hat with
1: 28% <laughs> speed.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Like the Cardinals were very competitive early on this season. Like they were one of the shocks, I would say, in the early parts of the calendar year. Mm-hmm. Um Kyler's window is gonna start. To get open here. Obviously, there's like that injury clause and how they're going to play with that. They are one in six on the season. I do think, again, we have to reset the first three weeks to the last three weeks, what we've seen this Cardinals team and not get excited about anyone. Again, that the usage is tremendous or so on and so forth. And, and all that stuff. I do want to add on the Seahawks end. They have some real red zone issues. This dates back to last year. They've gotten better at it this year. I think they've had like six rushing scores and five passing scores inside the red zone so far this year. They're, I think, were second to last in league in red zone touchdowns last year. Um, they had two goal line carries for Kenneth Walker. Didn't go anywhere. Then a third down failed pass by Geno Smith. And again, he threw another interception in that area of the field. So that's something that Shane Waldron and company, who are doing good things in other aspects, we need to iron out in order for Seattle to me to be more competitive. And they just had a bunch of an even more negative plays for the Cardinals had a bunch of ill-timed, uh, penalties on their defensive back half.
2: Joey well. Bobo, as you mentioned, used in three wide sets, but still Jake Bobo, Jake Bowie, sorry. I need to he make sure I Joey right. You. Cause he actually is an, a very important player. Yeah. It's like when people say Tyler Bajan and it's like, just get it right. Like the just Tyson, let's do this. Uh, JSN still led the team in routes run. I think it's important to note. Also, we saw a what we thought was a little changing of the guard, but still needed to see it to be a trend for Trey McBride's usage. And it was still a split at tight end. Zach Ertz ran two more routes than McBride today.
1: My note on Kyler Murray, the next two games for the Cardinals against the Ravens and then at the Browns, I don't think you want to put Kyler Murray fresh off of injury against those two opponents. But then home game against the Falcons... Uh, in the middle of November, that's probably the sweet spot for Kyler Murray. Apparently, they want to see him.
0: Yeah, uh, and again, this is a team that has, what, two first-round picks next year, including the Houston Texans draft pick and their own. You posted the report from Jake Laser saying, hey, people are thinking that they're trying to take this year. No, they want to see Kyler Murray. They really like Kyler Murray. So I think that is important to note that it, unless something just goes completely haywire and we're getting the wrong information from tremendous insiders like Jake Laser. Kyler Murray is going to play this year, and it sounds mm-hmm. like maybe after those two weeks that you just talked about, Hayden, because they open his window, so they have to play him, right? They have to play him within the next three weeks. Yep. Um, Joshua Dobbs does get home with a 25-yard rushing score. Do you want to add that in there? And, Dago, I don't know if we talked about it because we discussed it on the Stats versus Film show where it was so evident coming out of their buy that they do want to make JSN – a featured part of this offense and so while like the stats hadn't previously gotten there to me it was just the intention of it that gave me optimism and again we saw it here today with four receptions and uh, 63 yards and a score falcons versus buccaneers talk to me guys i mean this atlanta falcons team and this tampa bay buccaneers team they both some done some good things this year and hayden it seems like Despite it all, one team had to win in the end, and it was the Atlanta Falcons, sixteen to three, on the road against Tampa Bay.
1: Crazy game here. Um, they had ten different plays that changed the in-game winning percentage by more than twelve percentage points, which is chaos. And it felt like that. Just starting with some of the turnovers. I mean, Desmond Ritter, my goodness, he finally Good. he he scores on the zone read touchdown. Awesome in the first quarter. Then some time goes by. It's a punt fest. We have some turnovers, all that stuff. Desmond Ritter is about to trot into the end zone, untouched. And then here comes, uh, I think it was Antoine, uh, Winfield. Antoine Winfield, punches the ball out. I mean, Desmond Ritter couldn't believe it, but that not being a touchdown was ginormous. Before that, Desmond Ritter at the goal line, under center with Tyler Algier in the back uh, backfield. Fumbles the snap. It goes to the Bucks. Drake London reaches out for the pylon. Gets completely scorpioned (laughs) if you're used to watching ridiculousness. Ball fumbles out there. So we're talking about massive plays being swung here with the Falcons. The Falcons were the better team, in my opinion. But coming with that, you also get the dumb stuff with the Falcons. All of those turnovers were a joke. Kyle Pitts had one of the craziest catches behind the ball or behind his back I couldn't believe it was like David Blaine style reception he gets home with a big yards after the catch play in the fourth quarter as well but the storyline obviously is B. John Robinson apparently he has a headache he is not on the injury report he is playing some snaps here and there doesn't get his touch until 30 seconds left in the game apparently he had a headache and Arthur Smith just said be active but we won't actually need to use you i don't know why he would play at all in that situation i don't know why they would put him in in a crucial part of the game with 30 seconds it? left that's why what I'm not report it that's yeah. another great thing to talk about as well in his absence we have tyler algier who late in the game broken play wheel route he gets a big reception i thought he was okay at the very very best the falcons were trying to run the ball as much as they can which was shocking to me Uh, 21 of their 29 offensive series started with a run against this pass funnel uh, defense. So that's just kind of the state of the union with the Atlanta Falcons. Everything is la-la land with this team. Nothing makes sense. And it was shocking to see Cordero Patterson, who looks a little bit bigger nowadays, uh, playing so many snaps on offense. Same as
2: I've seen it phrased as that game could have been different if it weren't for what happened to the Falcons inside the red zone. But Mm -hmm. that's kind of a projectable thing with the Falcons and Desmond Ritter. Uh, We talked about last week how he had that massive end zone turnover at a most crucial time of the game. And now Ritter has six turnovers in his last two games, including three red zone fumbles today. After the game, they asked Arthur Smith about it, and he said... That he gives Ritter credit because yep. he has eleven wins in the NFL. Yeah, just it wins, is, baby. <laughs> it is wild what's happening in Atlanta right now.
0: He pulled out the winner card, and yeah, I mean, I even saw it. What dating back to prior to last week, that like Desmond Ritter throughout his entire high school, college, and NFL career had never lost a home game. And I know this one was on the road, but like you can't say that and then watch Desmond Ritter. I don't know. Like, I, I guess my question is. I'm not trying to hate on the guy because he did have like probably his best career game just a couple weeks ago and lifted them uh, when everyone else wasn't really doing anything. But why even sign Taylor Heineke if you don't give him an opportunity based on this type of play that we've seen from Desmond Ritter, not just like this week or last week, but like throughout his time in the league so far. And I know he only has like 11 career starts or whatever it is. But why even make a move for someone like Heineke if you're not going to change it when you know that like – things could be better both from a production standpoint and not just mental error standpoint either
1: yeah i think just unfortunately i mean fortunately for the falcons they keep winning these close games that they can easily lose and because that there's not a like reason uh for him to bench them until it's staring at them in the face i do want to give credit he threw an absolute dot to scotty miller in a revenge game down the field um love to see that and this team was moving the ball pretty effectively it was just these costly turnovers so that's like the the how do you sort this out they were actually moving the ball which they have been doing for the last couple weeks but these turnovers keep popping up and I just think that's part of the Desmond Ritter criteria on the other side didn't really like have a lot of notes on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this offense was like constantly just moving the ball just enough just not on the ground they still cannot Get the ground game going. They had averaged 2.4 yards per carry among their running backs as a team. Baker Mayfield scrambled around a ton, and actually that's how they kept moving the ball down the field. Rashad White back to 71% snaps, scammed his way with six catches uh in this one. But really, the big play for the Bucks once again, Mike Evans in isolation, press man coverage, AJ Terrell right in his grill and just dust them like just five yards of separation downfield good throw by baker mayfield who was under pressure a decent amount in this game but on that one just created separation jesse Bates was not hanging over the top and in walks mike evans with a 40 yard touchdown it's crazy because he's what 30 years old or whatever he is but mike evans like legitimately is like has not completely left the top 12, top 15 NFL wide receiver discussion, especially in fantasy. Chris Godwin, 12 targets, six for 66, kind of operating as like a function of the ground game to some extent. But just shout out Mike Evans. Like, I mean, every single week we come on the show and people want to yeah. keep writing him off. And they just owning people on these go routes and post routes.
0: And even for me, and it's been true with Baker Mayfield coming back to earth, like Mike Evans is still the one when it can only like force one pass catcher up there to be relevant. He is still the guy doing it. Uh, I, I do want to bring up, Baker's had three good games now this season and three bad games this year. So this might be of what we're getting now, you know, versus how it was a super hot start in the first two games of the season that we faced the Philadelphia Eagles. Then actually against a good Saints defense, I'll throw it out there. He does play well with three touchdowns and 246 yards. In these past two games, one touchdown, two interceptions, about like a... 58 completion rate. I don't know. I'm getting a bit nervous for what this team outside of Mike Evans can be, uh, which almost reverts back Hayden to how we discussed them prior to the season. And at the end of the day, still just underrating Mike Evans, but let's yeah. not overrate anyone else.
1: Yeah, I, I think that if we called after seven weeks, we said, I'm a little bit nervous about this offense, we would strike that as a huge win because totally. there was some outcomes where this was a stone cold disaster. Even in this game, Baker Mayfield wasn't exceptional. Was he average? Maybe he was average, but he wasn't a stone-cold disaster either.
2: Falcons, also, the rest of the way, just in case you're curious if there's ever this bump in their schedule, or maybe they do make a change from Ritter, the next month they play Will Levis or Tannehill or Malik Willis. We'll see who it is next week. Kirk Cousins, Josh Dobbs, Derek Parr, (laughs) Zach Wilson, (laughs) Baker, Mayfield again, and then Bryce Young.
0: Wow. No, that, 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 that's a fantastic point. And it's the layout. If this defense continues to play like this, it allows for Desmond Ritter to make mistakes yep. too because I would say this Falcons unit bring in just piecemeal players and then forming a cohesive 11 is one of the, I think, more underrated defenses across the league. Commanders versus Giants. Not much offense in this game. 14-7, to the New York Giants topple the Washington Commanders. Second winning game for the Giants this year. Tyrod Taylor's at the quarterback position for it. John Dagle. And what immediately catches my eye, well, two things. Darren Waller, 798 and one. And Jalen Hyatt, two for 75.
2: That's Darren Waller, who has a 29.6% target share over the last three games to you, coming back into fantasy relevancy. And yes, not a lot of offense here, but when the Giants end their streak without a touchdown at 220 minutes and 42 seconds (laughs) of the last regulation, it still needs to be discussed. (laughs) I think it was
0: 38 drives or something like that. It's insane, yeah.
2: And honestly, Daniel Jones, when he was playing, yes, he was injured and the offensive line, like Tyra Taylor, has not been doing them any favors. But Daniel Jones was also crumbling under pressure and wasn't even attacking deep. Whereas Ty Rudd against a Bills defense that actually has allowed quite a few explosive plays. And now this commander's sieve secondary. Yes, but Tyrod has had great command and he looks awesome when you watch him play. Honestly, even today, 18 passes of 15 yards, seven plays of 20 yards for the giants. Overall, uh, Jalen Hyatt back in the, in three wide sets as we expected after last week with Wandell and Darius Slayton. But Hyatt was the one who really got there. A 33-yard pass in the first quarter, almost had a 30-yard one-handed touchdown in the first half as well. And then later on in the second half, a 42-yard bomb from Tyron, dragging his toe last toe to get that in in the fourth quarter. So it really just came down to the Giants were doing enough to continue driving the field, although they still struggled to eventually punch it in. And then we saw more ineptitude from Ron Rivera, including being down by seven on fourth and three at the commander's 20 in the last quarter. And Ron Rivera elects to kick the field goal. And that deservingly gets blocked. But the Giants, even though they got the ball back, they still have to give it back once more and allow the Commanders to drive the field. And to Sam Howell's credit, although he had a poor interception earlier where he underthrew Jahan Dotson by a mile and it was picked off, he did drive the field. So the Commanders reach... Fourth and five inside the ten yard line with less than a minute remaining, and Dotson, who's in at this time because Curtis Samuel got injured earlier, runs his route at the sticks. Sam Howe extends the play, running to his left, throws the ball and finds him, but Dotson drops it, and the game ends. And that's literally how the Giants pulled this one off.
1: How does Sam Howe take six ha- six sacks Ooh. in this one? when the Giants were dead last in sack rate, dead last and come away with six sacks. It was bad. My concern also was that
2: coming into this game, how was 20th in completion rate versus the Blitz and 32nd in yards per attempt. And we know Wink only sends the house. So I was curious about how sealing this matchup, anyhow. But dude, it was just a blitzkrieg today. It was an onslaught of the Giants having no issues reaching him. And since Sacks is a quarterback stat, he of course continues holding on to the ball far too long. And this is his record, not Washington's offensive line.
0: On pace for 97 this year. Incredible. 97. Let's have this conversation. It's not the time for it. Let's have this conversation. Sam Howell makes me want to force quarterback sacks to be negative points for quarterbacks in fantasy (laughs) football because he cannot continue to outscore Matthew Stafford on a weekly basis and for us to continue to play this fantasy football beautiful game that we do. And I understand, like, you should understand scoring and, like, play Sam Howell because he gets rushing points and blah, blah, blah. It just doesn't feel right. It doesn't sit right. It keeps me up at night that Sam Howell, on pace for 97 sacks, and like you talk about, Daigle, and like we talk about every single week, many of them are on him. Mm-hmm. And something has to change here because it's it's just, it, it it's an element where we try to imitate, to me, the process and the outcomes of actual football and relate those into a scoring format to play fancy football. And that is the big disconnect right now.
2: And your league, Stafford outscores Howell, and Camara scores six points every week instead of 28.
1: <laughs> it's a good Sounds one. wonderful to me. Yeah. Promo code the show, Best Ball Mania
0: 5, Josh Norris rules the world. I mean, could it be something like if a sack is over 2.5 seconds or 2.3 seconds? <laughs> I mean, Josh, then... you're losing, people,
2: wow. you're losing these are that These are, these are Scott Fishbowl. Yeah, these yeah. are Scott Fishbowls. Could it,
0: could it at least be that the sack yardage is taken away simple. from... From the, the passing yards. numbers. No, or we could do it for negative rushing yards too. Yeah. That could it's, work it's, as well. It's
1: the college football rules. Let By us know way, in the
0: comments what you guys think because I, I actually think that this this should be a legitimate thing because and, you can say, well, hey, not all sacks are on the quarterback. Hey, not all interceptions are on the quarterback, but those get two points away at the same time too.
2: Rivera knows what's going on too because even at the end of the first half here, the, the commanders had two timeouts, I believe, at least one. And... And rather than stopping the clock on third down and getting the ball back from the Giants, they just let the clock run out. They didn't want the ball back to drive the field. They were just trying to get into the half alive.
1: What is up with Chris Rodriguez Jr.? It's the second week in a row, man. It's just... I mean, how real is this?
2: Yeah, ever since they came out and mentioned that... Uh, He they had a third round grade on him despite getting him on day three. I kind of always wondered like when they would try to force him into our lives, but it's kind of back to back games now where he's had a sprinkling of touches. So for him to be involved in basically a timeshare here was quite shocking.
0: There was a drive where he was in and had like two runs and they got down to the goal line and Brian Robinson did come in. So at least like we're hanging on to that role. Maybe we'll talk about in stats versus film. But at the very least, it kind of feels like Chris Rodriguez has supplanted Antonio Gibson Gibson. in this line by easily. And I think John Dotson had like a touchdown that slipped through his hands too. So like we even had that moment that could have been.
1: (laughs) Is that a catch in your league as well? No,
0: I mean, (laughs) no. John Dotson isn't relevant for anyone this year. Packers versus Broncos. We asked heading into this game, what happens when bad offense meets historically awful defense? Well, you still just get 17 points out of the green Bay Packers. Jordan love going 21 of 31, 180 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. And actually the vast majority of that happening in the second half and the Packers, I know they're just two and four and they have some exciting players, just watching them on a weekly basis, they are legitimately one of the worst teams in the NFL right now. They can't get anything going. And I don't even want to like go through the highs and lows in this game because it just sucked in both directions. I will say third and 14, 18-yard line, Russell Wilson made like a really nice throw. It was a really cool bunch set that they got man-to-man coverage. Two vertical routes kind of took the coverage away. They couldn't pass it off. And so it was a wheel route touchdown, I believe, to Cortland Sutton that Russell Wilson threw. Um, there was a 17-yard touchdown that was like a double catch Romeo Dobbs made against Patrick Sertan. Again, both caught it, both fell into the end zone. That goes to the offense that Packers fans know that for sure. Uh, Kareem Jackson got disqualified from his second game of the season. Uh, some might say it wasn't as dirty of a hit as we've seen him like against Arnold Parham. But again, I would bad. say that this is going to be the fifth check he gets from unsportsmanlike conduct or tough hits that he's making and the second disqualified game, which makes him probably the dirtiest player in the NFL. Right now, uh, there was another play from Jordan Love where uh, a defender was in his face, fourth and two, lowers his arm angle, throws it, goes over, for he adopts his hands into Jane Reed's hands for uh, a touchdown. But I think at the end of this, like people are just wondering, okay, can I start Aaron Jones? And Aaron Jones goes eight for 35. It was very, very clear that this team just did not want to give Aaron Jones – a full workload because I actually thought that when he was out there he actually looked explosive um but then we get AJ Dillon who probably actually had one of his better games and even a guy named Emmanuel Wilson checking in here and then people are probably going to wonder hey can I start Christian Watson and I want to repeat the stance that we took a couple weeks ago prior to their bye week that Jordan Love is not as good as throwing the ball 20 plus yards as Aaron Rodgers is he was 0 for 3 with an interception today that brings him to six of 27 22 on 20 plus yards on the field zero touchdowns and three interceptions so you can't run hot as a vertical player if your quarterback is right now the league's stone cold worst at throwing down the field
2: oh not even 20 like scale it back he's 32nd Mm -hmm. out of 34 quarterbacks and completion rate on throws 10 yards downfield with seven picks he's man he he like You talk about questioning fantasy football through those first three games. I was like, Jordan Love, this is clearly coming back at some point. I just Mm -hmm. don't know when he can stop getting away with it. The past two games for the Packers now, we've seen what it looks like uh, when he doesn't get lucky, and it's not pretty.
1: When it's almost Halloween, it's time to keep refreshing Tankathon. And Mm -hmm. right now, the Green Bay Packers have the seventh overall pick if the draft started right now. So to me, Jordan Love is not the long-term answer. Uh, Just as a reminder, going into free agency this year, Jordan love opted to take a deal for next year's money, but it was way less than the franchise tag in it by people connected to the league. It was a sign that Jordan love was like betting against himself,
0: um, which turns out might've been the smart move (laughs) for Jordan love based on the way he's played. I mean, through the first two and a half quarters of this game, their longest play was a throwback from Dontavian wicks up to Aaron Jones out of the backfield. Uh, The Packers in the first halves of this season, according to buddy Ian Harditz, 10 points, 10 points, zero points, three points, three points, zero points. Um, This was out of a bye, I want to remind you. Out of a bye, and they can't play. They can't play football.
2: Also, Christian Watson, we don't know the extent of his injury he suffered yes. on the final possession, uh, came down and hit the ground and just laid there on the sideline. So we'll monitor that. And Luke Musgrave, if this is a head
0: injury or was it I neck injury? I think it injury? might be an ankle. I think it might be an ankle injury. He he wow, was okay. on the receiving end of that Kareem Jackson hit. right? But then I think they deemed it an ankle injury. while Ankle, he was okay, good. Because
2: Remember, he suffered a concussion earlier this month, so I was already really concerned.
0: Yeah, he went today um, four for 30 on five targets. And yet you mentioned Christian Watson, that injury, and it looked like he was really being checked out on the sideline. That injury happened because of Jordan Love's bad placement. He was open down the field. Jordan Love was late, threw him into contact, and he basically got folded in half. And this is, again, to harp on the placement, just rough stuff all the time that we're seeing from Jordan Love. I don't know if that is going to improve this year as it goes along. Just quickly on the Broncos' end, Javante Williams, this is probably the best he's looked. I'm not going to say it was top speed. Now. Yeah, yeah, but it was at least fluid. And he was, like, finding different lanes and alleys to work and press. And, you know, 15 carries for 82 yards uh, was a real bright spot, I think, for this team. So,
1: all right, Josh, th- real quick. This morning, I was getting so many Jaleel McLaughlin sit-start Re- sit, start questions. I was like, who is doing this? And I reminded uh, – it's because it, we're shooting ourselves in the uh, foot here,
0: but yeah. Hey, he's still also, very efficient on his carries. Five for 45. Is. Yeah.
1: Uh, also,
2: Jerry Judy injured at the end of this game. Non-contact as well. It seemed like he injured his groin. Um, I guess we'll, we'll see what comes out after that. But important because Marvin Mims did run the third most routes of the Broncos receivers today.
1: And maybe there's a little bump there if Judy's out. Dago, I, I did see a replay on that Judy injury. Fortunately, it was contact related, and it was the back of the hand to yes, technically his groin. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah.
2: See, yeah. I saw it, and it looked like a hand scathed, but it didn't look serious. Mm. Okay, maybe yeah. it hit a little harder than I thought.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. Marvin Mem's third in routes, uh, but has a ne- negative eleven yards. Correct. On the don't day worry about on that, that on part. A, <laughs> on an awful, <laughs> on an awful reverse. Oh, I, I don't forget. Okay, two more games, then we'll get out of here. Raiders versus Bears. <laughs> Keep, that you in, want, Keep, you that Keep that in
2: Weaves. Keep that in. Introduce in Tyson vaget
0: No, it, it 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 did that thing where it played late for me. Anyway, Weeds, uh, okay. I thought be, you were just looking for words, which I wouldn't yeah. blame you.
2: I thought you wanted me to talk about this game. I was like, I have to already. Don't make me do it twice.
0: So, in seven games that the Raiders have played this season, their offense has scored twenty. Dude. Let's say. Less than 20 points in all of those. What a joke. In the first six games of the season, that was the first time that's happened since the 2014 Jaguars. This is a Josh McDaniels-led team. Supposed to be an offensive mind. They can only muster 12 points, even with Brian Hoyer, which we can get into, and not Aiden O'Connell at quarterback. And they lose the Chicago Bears (laughs) 30-12 to with another non-starting quarterback playing opposite him. And the Bears look functional, and the Raiders do not discuss
2: we all thought brian hoyer was going to get benched at the half because we don't need to see hoyer reps we know exactly who he is at this stage of his career (laughs) even in the first half 10 of 19 for 93 yards and a pick although to be fair the pick was not his fault uh delivered underneath the josh jacobs jacobs drops it and it falls right into the hands of a defender so whatever the fact was it was still brian hoyer and now it's not even really the Raiders defense that did anything either. Uh, Tyson Bajant averaged a 2.6-yard depth of target in this game. Genuinely a just a quick-hitting scheme for the Bears here just to make sure that he didn't have to think about it. Let's just move the ball through our running backs, although our two starters are not even healthy, and that's what they did eight carries of 10 plus yards against this Raiders front seven for four and a half yards per carry between Deontay Foreman and Darrington Evans. Uh, And then the bears defense, which has been good these last three games now, although you can look at their opponents in that time, that's really what won them the game here. Even in the fourth quarter, by then, the Raiders were trailing 24 to 6. Hoyer throws a 39 yard pick six to Jalen Johnson to seal it. The next drive, Aiden O'Connell finally comes in down 31 to 6. He underthrows Jacoby Myers by a mile on a deep shot. It's Jalen Johnson again for another interception. Uh, and so, really, it was just about manufacturing the run, uh, a run heavy scheme here from Vagent, and then playing defense. And that's how the Bears won. Man,
0: man. It was and ugly. Devontae Adams, you know. We talked about squeaky wheel. I'm not saying he was saying anything out of line. He was just very direct through the media, which I actually respect. Um, he goes seven receptions on 12 targets for 57 yards. And Dago, I think 29 of those were in the first drive. And then they just couldn't find him for the rest. Oh, of the
2: game, basically. The Hoyer's first seven throws were all to Devontae Adams. Like that's, <laughs> that's how you answer the squeaky wheel narrative. But again, he just doesn't get there in the end also big news was uh Jacobs injured on a carry in the second half here. So I we'll have to see what his status is, but I also found it interesting that, you know, for whatever you want to do with this defense and, or this offense and this running backs, Amir Abdullah was active, but it was still Zamir white getting every single touch, three targets included. So the every down usage was a question I've had all year.
1: There was a report before this game that Devonte Adams will not be traded um i would say the raiders the most directionless franchise they have stars that don't deserve to be on this team and they are right now in the middle of the pack and tankathon because they're three and four they're trotting out brian hoyer and starts like what like what year? what year do they think they're gonna win the super bowl like what what plan like what year is it like 2035 is that their their plan what the hell
0: i just don't even understand starting brian hoyer here when Mm. like it wasn't working, and why not just get a rookie that you invested a mid-round pick on and get him experience and opportunities? Um, It sucks that Michael Mayer only gets, like, four targets, two receptions, and, like, 12 yards after we talked about him being more incorporated. And speaking of more featured, Deontay Foreman, after being <laughs> inactive for, like, the first three to four weeks of the season, uh goes out there, scores three touchdowns, uh, 16 carries, 89 yards, it's like anytime time Deontay Foreman gets an opportunity, he also gets three catches for 31 yards. Mm-hmm. He just is productive, and it's wild to see. It's, it's
2: amazing. It's, it's always when teams win. He's like the poor man's Derrick Henry. Remember last year <laughs> with the Panthers, too? Yeah. He averaged 94 rushing yards in Carolina's seven wins and 22 in their 10 losses. And it's the same thing like last week. He couldn't get anything going in that loss. And this week, though, as like a front-running team with a big lead, he just piles it on, and he looks good. He, he just bulldozes most of the time. It took two or three Raiders defenders to bring him down, but also Darrington Evans was getting there because you can do whatever you want against the Raiders pretty much.
1: Yeah. The context around Deonta Foreman, Roshan Johnson missed another game with this it's concussion. Scary. It's starting to linger. Hope that Roshan's uh, all right. And will be returning soon enough. Uh, I think it would be like an even committee uh, in that stance, but also that's another kind of point in at least the Chicago bears direction where they're at least playing their rookie and Roshan before that injury, Michael Mayer, like he looks explosive whenever he touches the ball. The fact that he's been in a rotation up until this point is just a showing where the Raiders are just not understanding where there is Austin Hooper helping you get to the playoffs in 2023. Hell no, just go play your young players
2: Uh, on the Bears side too. I know I called it quick hitting scheme, which is exactly what it was trying to get it out of your first read, but a lot like when Brock Purdy first came in for the Niners, not to, Absolutely not to compare Tyson Bajan to Brock Purdy, but everyone immediately said like, oh, he does enough right things that Garoppolo does not do. That's kind of what Bajan did. Like Bajan would extend plays, but not to an egregious amount where like Justin Fields takes those sacks and has ugly turnovers. Bajan would extend plays by, you know, strafing or scrolling out because he is mobile. And then try to throw something downfield. And sometimes, for instance, like Darnell Moody, for example, in the red zone was running wide open to the back. Baygent runs out. He just misses him on, while running out. No big deal. It's a scrambling throw. It's tough to the corner of the end zone. But he also made a couple of those plays throughout the game and didn't turn the ball over. So Baygent was doing enough to where this is what we need you to do. The offense like isn't sexy, but he was doing what they asked him to.
1: It seems like field's going to miss at maybe another week or so with his uh, injury. And I learned that Tyson Bagent's dad is a professional arm wrestler.
2: I learned that I'm scared of Tyson Bagent's dad because he looks like a bodyguard. Yes.
0: Jaguars versus Saints. We'll throw it back to Thursday to end this one. Jacksonville being that New England Saints team. Thirty-one to twenty-four. Uh, Hayden, weird, you know, we're going to spend about twenty minutes on a Calvin Ridley conversation this Tuesday. I haven't had a chance to go back and watch the all twenty-two, any of the angles, and try to, you know, put into context of why Calvin Ridley only goes for four targets, one reception, five yards, with all three of those targets happening like in the final stanza of this game. Um, any overriding thoughts though, Hayden, you had of this, where uh, Christian Kirk continues to go not nuclear, but is at least a consistent member of this Jaguars team with six receptions, 90 yards, and a score.
1: Saints have been more vulnerable in the areas where Christian Kirk wins. That's not an excuse for Calvin Ridley. I just don't want to go into the Calvin Ridley stuff until I watch the All-22. But overarching thoughts, Travis Etienne just getting the goal line stuff just makes him a total monster when it comes to fantasy and the – Jacksonville Jaguars, their offense has just been like so close this game. Like they still lighted it up with 31 points in this, but everything has felt relatively hard for a team that has talent kind of littered everywhere.
0: I do want to say one thing because again, we like to listen to press conferences and read coach clippings when they talk to the media. Um, when Doug Peterson goes out there and says, uh, yes, we'll continue to ride the hot hand in our backfield. And right now that is Travis Etienne, It makes me it puts at least a little more context into us reading into the clippings that they had this offseason of, hey, we sucked on short yard situations. This is why we drafted Tank Bigsby, so on and so forth. But, Hayden, your point that you continuously make is that Tank Bigsby just has done nothing in those opportunities. and just he got looks,
1: frostbite on his hands. <laughs> he just
0: looks not good. And so it's obvious why Travis Etienne uh, is just going to continue to get these opportunities over and over and over again. And he's doing quite well on them, too. Mm-hmm. So. Quickly on Derek Carr, um, I've never seen a dude like hit his back foot and then just check down to Alvin Kamara when all of these routes are running down the field and you have players who can win down the field. And it was just over and over and over again, spamming the check down. I'm not even like giving the opportunities to these downfield and explosive plays. And it stinks because I say that. And then Derek Carr is still, like, leading the NFL by 10 of 20-plus yard targets. He just doesn't, like, to me, have balance in that, if that makes sense.
1: It's been bad, man. I don't I don't have anything positive to say with the Saints, to be honest. No,
0: nothing. They're such nothing. a bad team. I mean,
2: the fact that when Juwan Johnson's out, their only response is to play Taysom Hill as a full-time tight end. It's just nothing makes sense in New Orleans.
0: Okay, we'll get out of here on that. And again, stats versus film, we will, for real— Go in depth on Calvin Ridley and a bunch of these other second-round wide receivers that are leaving everyone frustrated and not just focusing on one name, Hayden.
1: And uh, here's a name for you: Josh Kelly goes for a 75-yard <laughs> and, and, and touchdown in this game. Of course, to be, to be fair, that, that was a
2: 49-yard touchdown run. He just kind of sprinted up the middle, but yeah, he did deliver.
0: Yeah, it happens this week. All right, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, Go and check out John Daigle's waiver wire column because, as he pointed out, we go from six teams on by to no teams on bye this week. So lots of reshuffling, especially in that Browns backfield, others across the league. And uh, Daigle, a word, because I know you'll have the people covered.
2: Lots of injuries to discuss we'll sort through them on the waiver wire it it takes me now all night like just to figure out like okay who was injured who left and came back because a lot Mm -hmm. of times we see players then don't even play the following week so i will have it all sorted out for everyone at 44.com by monday afternoon where there is still a massive discount going on since it is only quote unquote only week eight there's still (laughs) a
1: lot of football left to talk about
0: kind of halfway but not really anymore you know doesn't, I mean, feel, like it. well,
1: doesn't feel like well we start eliminating players and teams from our mind as the season goes so i'll call this halfway also by the way daigle is such a good writer so just shout out to daigle so oh, today, thank you he is a great writer go read his stuff i know people have forgotten how to read but uh give yourself some ai <laughs> goggles and have them at least <laughs> translate his
0: column Yeah, there's even apps or in Chrome extensions you can download and have them read Daigle stuff to you (laughs) if you want to. So that works out too. Uh, There's a link in the description uh, for all the deals that Daigle just talked about. All right, for Hayden, for Daigsy, Producer Wees, I'm Josh. Up the villa. We will talk to you all soon. See ya.